And welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. I'm Jeff Reuter, sitting across from me is Wes Berdine, and out on the East Coast, thriving in Pennsylvania, we have Alex Schieferdecker this week. This week we're going to be talking about the U.S. men getting snake bit by El Tree. We'll be talking about how penalty kick shootouts are the devil for both Gophers and for Tim Hankinson. Elevens, (laughs) yes. Multiples of 11. We'll be talking about the uh, lack of updates for Minnesota United and give you some updates on those lack of updates. And then we'll take some Twitter questions. How are you doing this week, Wes? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm excited to have Chief Decker on the show. He's talked about... I do want to talk about NASL with him because he has he's probably the only person uh in the country every, anywhere who watches as many games or he probably watches more than most people. So, hi Alex, good to see you or good to talk to you at least. Hey guys, you know, the the NASL thing is by default. I think I'm probably the only person in the country who has access to all of the NASL's obscure media channels. So, you have C- CBS Sports? My parents have an Optimum subscription, so wow. I borrowed their login and watched the final. Where is Optimum based out of? It's then? a New York, it's a New York area uh cable provider. I think what we need is like um you know how the the ACA uh healthcare act uh, expanded so that you could stay on your parents' insurance until you're 26. <laughs> I mean, you until, up until you know three months from now. Right. Um, but that we need to expand uh, cable things so that all 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 young people can keep uh, their cable and from their parents and their Netflix their parents Netflix yeah. passwords. Most importantly, well. we'll we'll see. No promises that that's the only political joke that we'll make in this week after. But when we come back after listening to Big Quarters music, we will be starting off by talking about the good, the bad, and the weird. And welcome back to the 551 Podcast. I'm Jeff. Wes is over there. Alex is somewhere else over there. And we're going to be starting off by uh, our kind of weekly whip around, talking about things U.S. soccer and beyond, called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. And uh, <laughs> what, what good things happened this week? It's a good question. Um, a Tribe Called Quest released their first album in over two decades. That was good. It's Alex, actually really good. You got anything? Any, any good things? Oh, man, I, I ate some ice cream. I ate a lot of ice cream. Whoa, what kind of ice cream? Ooh, this, this is, is big. actually big. Yeah, hang on. Well, Pause the show. Yeah, so there's a there's a dilemma every time I get ice cream because it's either, you know, I get one pint of Ben & Jerry's or do I go all in on the uh, the Sunday fixings? And, and what was get, it this uh, week? Get some more just classic vanilla. And so I, I went for the la- latter option this week. And it was a good Classic choice. vanilla, by the way, was my nickname in high school. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering, though. So with everything that's happened this week, with every single team that you cheer for losing or not announcing anything, do you just grab the Ben and Jerry's and grab the Sunday toppings and just say, you know what, 2016 is weird enough anyway, and just combine them all into one? Boy, that's a, you know, it might come to that. It hasn't come to it yet, but it's getting there. But Sheaf, you're kind of a closet Cosmos guy, aren't you? Yeah, I, I I think they've been good this year. I've been, I've liked their play. That's a really aren't good you? Non-answer. I mean, you're you're from New Yorkish, aren't you? Oh, I have I have a lot of friends who are Cosmos fans, but I don't really care about the Cosmos too much. Okay, all right, okay. That's a firm denial right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, let's compelling. let's go to the let's go to the bad because we've got a whole host of bad, and, and let's start with um, the obvious, which is last Friday uh, in Columbus, Dosa Cero. The uh, the fifth sequel or the fourth sequel, the fifth movie, uh, did not come off. Mexico won that match two to one. Uh, I don't know where do we start. Uh, start at the beginning, I guess, and start with the formation. Al- I don't know, Alex. What should we have seen this coming? Was it crazy to think there'd be a fifth Dosasero? Um, <laughs> well, you, the odds are. Uh, not in its favor happening, uh, but it happened four times, and uh, I think that the United States definitely had a kind of voodoo on the Mexican team in Columbus. But you wouldn't you wouldn't have guessed that from how that game started. Is it um, so? I, the first way I, I want to approach it is: is this a worse U.S. team than those previous matches? And it, or and or is this a better Mexican team than we've seen in previous previous iterations? Both. I think you could say both. I still think that this team 
at its best has more talent than the iteration that we would have seen in what would have been 2012, 2013 when they would have last played Eltry. I think that Mexico also has a lot of talented players. They had a more stable coach and a much more stable federation. And this in 2016 than they did last time around where they had a lot of things in flux and you saw a lot of key players who were just left off the roster entirely uh coaches coming and going and that's still going on to an extent but they also had a coach who knew quite a bit about not just playing in columbus but about how the u.s soccer federation works and so knew exactly how to match up against what jurgen would be setting out and that's in osorio the the mexican Correct. coach who who play, was coached for the metro stars and chicago fire see for anyone else i'm trying to remember but um I, I, I just yeah, have sorry. a. I just have a. I don't know. I, I don't want to. I hate reading a lot into a single ninety-minute game. I think that. I think that Mexico has always had the ability to beat the United States two to one in Columbus, and the fact that they haven't doesn't really change it. And I think that we had the ability to beat them two zero today, but we didn't. Um, if you, I just think that, you know, it's it's ninety minutes, and a lot of things can happen. Um, and I think that it's not, I don't think the game came down to Mexico being really good this time and the United States being very poor. I think that, uh, it came down to the United States playing this game not very well. Just mm-hmm. Bobby Warshaw, who, um, wrote a piece for the, for Howler that's up on their website. Uh, and Bobby's in this category of the... Jimmy Conrad's Matt Doyle's of the world who effing hate Jurgen Klinsmann. Like the three of them, I think, are like the holy trinity of wanting to stab Klinsmann. And basically, they are going to stab Caesar. Um, and I think it's a pretty good read uh, because he talks about the way in which uh, Jurgen set, set up in this uh, three man back line or three center back. Uh, back line and how it kind of screwed over the players. I realized watching it and then actually more seeing the reactions to it that I don't don't care as much about the U.S. men's national team. Like when we lose in the World Cup, I, I feel it. I'm, I live or die. But when it's in these in-between moments, I love the team. But if we lose, I always find myself going, yeah, but, you know, um, and not finding myself broken up. And I think certainly this match, I came out of it and said, that was a whole lot of fun. It was a fun game to watch. They were better at parts. We were better at parts. They kind of got lucky by, you know, Rafa Marquez being the devil. And scoring a goal in the 80th, 8th minute. Had to be. I had said previously that this match, would we would win in the 88th minute. Alan Gordon would score and do body shops, shots off of Frankie Hayduck to celebrate. I was wrong, but I wasn't that wrong. Not very. I was just basically, that was basically <laughs> the upside down version of... Frankie Hayduck was still involved with body shots, yeah, too, exactly. lest you forget. The cameras yeah. cut away before. It was too bad, but yeah. so it goes. They instead just showed like a group of 20 white guys dabbing in unison or something. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was an even match, too, once the formation shift happened in probably about the 35th. I think what's really strange is that if you're going to be playing with two wingbacks, Timmy Chandler is not a wingback. You know, no. he's a defensive fullback. And I joked last week about what kind of blackmail must he have on Jurgen Klinsmann to get called in. But then to start when he's going to basically be an attacker, it's it's crazy. And a similar thread, uh, David Zeller at Texas Zeller also asked, how many dick pics has Sunil Gulati sent Jurgen Klinsmann that allows him to keep his job? Which yeah. is oddly related. I don't know how many. What's the over-under at, Alex? Five? <laughs> uh, I... Th- I don't know. I think uh, three. Uh, I think Gulati's a pretty conservative guy, but I think three would be enough to to really uh, give Klinsman some serious leverage. Do you think we can pinpoint what days these were? I think one is when they got out of the group of death in the World Cup. There was probably a celebratory one. Another one was when Jurgen left Landon Donovan off the roster for the <laughs> Cup and said, this is what real balls look like. And uh, I'm stuck on the third. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. What the well, I certainly is. think they'll obviously find it on Anthony Weiner's uh, <laughs> yeah. laptop. You know that they exchanged, like, "Hey, 
Show me your best. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it is kind of... We're recording on a Monday. Tuesday, the U.S. are playing Costa Rica. In Costa Rica, this is a match that we conceivably... It's not... It's We will lose this, probably. We lose in Costa Rica quite a lot. Right. I'm trying to say that it, it would be very understandable if we did. But coming off the back of a home loss... Because you have to win home games in the hex and you draw away. Two losses and Klinsman starting the hex in a pretty big hole. It's true, but even with a loss to Mexico at home and to Costa Rica away, I wouldn't feel really worried about the United States making the World Cup. And that's ultimately, there's no difference, as we, as we saw in the last hex, between first and, and, and third. Um we just have to be better than Panama, Honduras, and TNT. And, and realistically, only two of those. Well, or then, well, if we get into fourth, we have to play a team from uh, probably from, from South America, I think. But oh, I, I don't want to do was... that. But I'm oh, confident. Yeah, it used to be Oceania, but now it's South America. Oh, that's I'm pretty way confident worse. that we will be better than Panama, Honduras, and Trinidad and Tobago. And I don't we, know. The way 2016 is going, teams, man. Well, I don't think we're going to play them in 2016. The good, so yeah, yeah, the good okay. news is we only have one more qualifier, and we've already chalked that up to as a 2017, loss in 2016. Only normal things are happening. Assholes are going to die. None of these like awesome people die. Just more assholes will die. Uh, that's, I, I'm really looking forward to 2017. Well, Oof. you know who else is looking forward to 2017? Probably go for women's soccer. Yeah. Who <laughs> lost in a penalty kick shootout in our continuation of the bad. Uh, lost on Saturday after a nil-nil draw through the entirety of regulation and through two 10-minute sudden death overtime portions, halves, I don't know. Yeah. And then in the shootout ended up losing to NC State, who is going to be advancing to the second round. Yeah, this was the first round of, of the NCAA tournament. It's kind of a, a, a rough way to go out for them. Uh, we have a report up on 55-1 that talks about the match uh, yeah, it's a real bummer for, for the Gopher women. Um, but speaking of penalty kicks, let's go to the weird, which is uh, Indy 11 versus New York Cosmos. The NASL final uh, played in in the middle of a forest that no one could get to or watch on TV, or on computers or anything. But if you had CBS Sports, if basically if you are related to Alex Schieferdecker, um, <laughs> or you were in whatever remote part of New York City uh, that stadium is in, then you saw this match. Uh, but I'm the- gonna yeah, I'll set this up for you because I think this is uh, Tim Hankinson's manifesto after this season. So Hankinson wins Manager of the Year for the NASL 2016 over Gio Savarisi. When I submitted my poll, Gio got my vote. And um, as well as Colin Miller. Colin Miller in, in was, FCA. I think, second for me, actually. And then I had uh, Hankinson third. I think that was my ballot. Um, and so he gets the award, and you see a lot of people on Twitter justifying it, saying, you know, like, yeah, I thought Gio uh, has shown. I mean, this team was good, but also you can't really deny that Tim did everything that he needed to and showed up when... Uh, when they needed a big decision made, he was able to make that big decision. In another scoreless championship game, um, through regulation, through overtime, it goes to penalty kicks. I didn't see penalty kicks. I just heard about this. Who was the third penalty kick taker for Indy 11? And this is why it's weird. Hashtag dad boner. Mm. Uh, the king of dad boner. Uh, Wilco's biggest fan, John Bush. John Bush. And he... Uh, yeah. and he- now this stadium is on a parking lot, top of a parking lot, and he tried to kick it off the parking lot. Ooh! I mean, he. Now, it was not did... a great penalty kick to put it. Okay, mildly. so uh, they didn't describe it. the uh, The Cosmos match day Twitter just said John Bush parentheses question mark exclamation point close parenthetical <laughs> takes penalty kick and misses. What was it? I mean, I I didn't see it. I haven't watched any highlights or anything. You saw it. You were one of probably about 40 people who got to see this kick. Mirrorize this. I mean, it was uh, <laughs> it was a it was a it was not a good penalty kick. He 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 blasted it. It's funny to me because I think that goalkeepers should be very good at penalty kicks because they take them more than almost anyone else, in theory, right? Because they're practicing 
against right. you know they they're setting up other goalkeepers and th- that should be something that goalkeepers are very good at and normally when i see a goalkeeper take it i think oh you know he should know how to do it but bush he just he's like he scuffed it he put it wide and high i mean he it was just it was not good it was not good at all did he look confident as he was walking up to take it or was he just like tim well he did look confident i mean he, he better have been to be the goalkeeper taking the third the third penalty kick did he look like he was in a rush to go pick up his kid from uh from drama class that may have been it yeah 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 um so i i, I mean new york cosmos win congratulations new york cosmos i'm a i'm a indy 11 fan now that we're out of the league uh i i love the indy fans um it's a bummer but also new york cosmos you cannot deny that they have been the best team ever since they've come into the league they've been the best con- consistently the best um at at points, other teams like Minnesota United are close to them, but congratulations, Giov- Giovanni Savarisi. Uh, you're very good. I want to talk about this year in NASL, though. Um, I'm wondering, you know, all the awards came out last week. Uh, Juan Arango won the Golden Ball, meaning uh, Christian Ramirez missed out on his second uh, in two years, in three years, I mean. And um, and then you had Papa Diakite. He won Young Player of the Year, and what? I I don't think that that was. I mean, no, you're shaking your head. I thought I was. Did no, I no, you wrong? nailed it. You okay. did very well, despite Thanks. the pressure of your kid at drama class. <laughs> However, I don't think that he deserved it. Actually, I disagreed. Neither. Well, Wanarongo was third on my ballot for Golden Ball. And uh, Pape Diakite was not on my ballot at all for Young Player of the Year, which goes to show that they just didn't count my vote. Or you just, <laughs> or you, you don't watch that many games, right? Um, <laughs> but, but Alex, you do like this. This is why one of the reasons I wanted you on this week. You watch a, a whole crap ton of NSL. Who who did you vote for? I didn't vote for basically any of the winners uh, either. I did vote for Diakite as the Defender of the Year. Or sorry, me I'm both. Sorry, pardon me, not Defender of the Year, the Young Young Player yeah. of the Year. Um, but it wasn't a. I have to say, it wasn't a really inspiring list for young player of the year. No, no, really, no standout. But I think that Diakite was. Um, he wasn't as good as Watson, but he was much better than who they've had in the past. Um, in filling in for that position, because Watson's been there forever. Um, he was really good. He was solid. But the other, the other awards, I, I did not vote for Tim Hankinson as coach of the year. Um, who did you vote, vote for? For Arango as, as for Golden Ball. Um, I did vote for Matt Van Ockel as. Well, actually, I don't know if that was even a vote that went that just goes to the. Well, it, Matt Van Ockel either way was was clearly the best goalkeeper. Um. Yeah. So I I voted for Ramirez and for Golden Ball and. I I doubted that vote afterwards. Um, I think Ramirez. The reason I did is because Ramirez uh, scored a lot of goals without a lot of service, and was was it showed something in the league that you didn't see elsewhere, a, a certain level of creativity and brilliance. Mm-hmm. Juan Arango certainly he can win it and he obviously did and it makes complete sense to me no he doubt. also showed talent that you don't see in the league matt van Okel as well um talking to a few people uh in fact a, a few players in fact who uh you know obviously publicly did not want to talk about this but um said that pointed out that for every time i would say or other people would say oh look at the good defense in front of matt van Okel." They were like, look at how many shots Matt Van Okel faced. And he faced a lot of shots, meaning the defense probably wasn't as good as what we were saying. And he should have won. That's what several people were were saying to me. You've actually, this isn't a sentence many people in the world can say, but Alex, you've got a good Matt Van Okel story um, from your piece you wrote in Howler about Carl Craig. Um, in kind of his development as a goalkeeper there, just uh, kind of quickly there. It was one of the main moments in his development, I thought. Yeah, well, he had had a couple bad weeks, right? And then uh, Carl uh, said to him, hey, you know, I see the chairs sort of walking differently, and I know that when you're confident, you walk, you know, well, we know how he walks. He is, his chest is out. He walks like a duck, basically. Yeah, he walks like a duck. With, he's got like that 
beer belly that just goes out. Yeah. Right. And so Carl said, listen, you know, I know you're, you know, you've hit a sort of a rough, you've had a rough couple games, but I think that if you just start walking around like you're confident, everybody's going to see that you're confident. They're going to say, oh, you know, Maddie's confident. And you're going to start feeling confident because everyone else is confident in you because you're walking like a duck. <laughs> it's a brilliant. I love, I love Carl Craig so much. <laughs> um, I, I think the Matt Van Ockel, I just want to talk about the Matt Van Ockel for MVP thing. I, I voted for um, Romald Pazer last year. I didn't vote for Van Ockel this year. Van Ockel saved, Van Ockel is more impressive in the statistics. But I have to say, they, they showed during the championship final, they showed a video, which I'm sure I and you know five of the people on earth saw, but it showed the sort of highlights of the... Um, of the award winners and Van Ockel's they didn't really have a lot of impressive highlights for Van Ockel a lot a lot of his basically all the saves that they showed were were right at him um and it's hard it's really hard to evaluate goalkeepers to say is that you know is that a position is he in a position that you know Sammy and Jack or, or someone else would not have been in you know did he just make that look easy or was it really just a shot taken directly at him I think that he had a he obviously had a great season, but I didn't get the sense that he bailed his team out as many times as say Pazer did last year. Sure, yeah. And it, it was just it was it was a hard perception to shake. Um, so I, I I I I thought it came down. I thought he was in the top three, but I did think it came down to Ramirez or Arango, both of whom were sort of tied with uh, goals and assists. Mm-hmm. Well, let's transition to to just the the season on the whole. I don't want to talk about every team. I don't. I just want to briefly go with, with you guys. Sorry, to, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah. To you guys, and just say. I mean, it was a crazy year in terms of off the pitch, on the pitch, off the pitch was was absolutely crazy. But Indy Eleven, uh, what what stood out to you this year that you'll remember? Oh, uh, they played really basic soccer that took advantage of their strengths. Um, who all, all the teams or who? oh oh Indy did I'm sorry Indy um, did. Okay. yeah well Indy were a big a big surprise uh, Edmonton were a big surprise um, it wasn't surprising how they did it um, they played they played very defense focused uh, soccer that and and Indy especially really was relying on the speed of their attackers which was a, a successful strategy um, and then I think that there was that incredible sort of mix of of teams in the middle of the pack. Um, basically everyone, but Ottawa, Jacksonville and, and Puerto Rico. I have a theory actually. Yeah. And I, I think that Ottawa Fury 2015 are Lindsay Lohan pre 2006 and Indy 11 are Jamie Lee Curtis post 2006. And there was a freaky Friday moment that went on and I think it was the transfer of Sinisha Ubiparapovich. There was where... a lightning as he as he was traded in yep. this weird scene where he they they actually went to like an abandoned tarmac yep. and Sinisha was like sent over signing his contract. Yep. Yeah. There Light... was a lightning that struck. Lightning Whoa. struck and suddenly Lindsay Lohan, Ottawa, is in a little bit of a tire fire, and then Jamie Lee Curtis, Indy, is making a lot of money off of poop yogurt commercials. And is able to make it to the championship after all, including their fact that they got a geriatric goalkeeper. I think this needs further investigation. I mean, I'm just going to say it holds up. It sounds like it's, it just sounds true to me. You can't mm, prove so. it's not true. That's just <laughs> you it. You cannot <laughs> prove it. Many people are it's saying, true. yeah, yeah. Sinisha, Sinisha Ubiparapovich. On the, on the shows. Uh, yes, so on the shows. I, I am. I am also curious if you. I want now want to look at the table, um, and see if this league is now basically run by uh, turf teams. Yeah. Are all the teams that do well that do they all play on turf? I mean, you've got the Cosmos, you've got uh, Ottawa last year, you've got Indy this year, uh, you've Edmonton. got FC Edmonton. All do wait, Edmont, Edmonton do play on turf? Yeah, for sure. All okay. four playoff teams this year were turf teams. Ooh. 
Well, Ryo kind of was, but they're also like a half turf, half vacant air on the field. <laughs> yeah. They're actually playing on, a, on, a, on an unused uh, air hockey table. Actually, I'd say Ryo are on half turf. They're double turf. Because they're on like a, a cubert board where you have to jump between open spaces. <laughs> but I think that that tells you the basic soccer thing. I, I think every team coming into this should know, should be prepared for exactly what that is, what next year's should be. That's how you succeed in NASL, except for the Cosmos, who who have been able to do it otherwise. But but the Cosmos don't play free flowing, tiki taka uh, stereotype. So. No, they're they're pretty they're not stupid about how they play too. I mean they they like to play but they are not adverse to a, you know, some kick and run. Um I want to take a break and I want to come back and we're going to talk Minnesota United. Does that sound good? And welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. I am Jeff, sitting with me in Minnesota, as Wes, sitting not with us in Pennsylvania, is Alex Schieferdecker. And we are actually going to start off this second segment, the Minnesota United segment, with story time with Wes Burdine. Wes? Yeah, so today, uh, on Monday, uh, we there were two stories that came out literally in the same minute. Two stories, yeah. both alike in timing. Yeah. And so uh, one came from 55.1 that said, uh, among other things, Giovanni Savarisi from the New York Cosmos is the top target for Minnesota United, and it's not quite finished, but it looks to be happening, but there's a lot, there are still some things to be worked through. There, we'll talk about the rest of what was in that article uh, after this, but... Um, in that same minute, Empire of Soccer, Dave Martinez, uh, who runs the fantastic website Empire of Soccer, uh, published that Adrian Heath, formerly of Orlando City SC, is the top target and looks to be close to being uh, the done deal for uh, Minnesota United as the new head coach. Um, the great part about this is, so we've been tracking this story, well, we've been tracking this story for a while now uh, with 55.1. We had source... Uh, a good source tell, tell us about it, and then we started tracking that, and we've had more sources, but never enough to publish the straight story that we were sure Gio is it, right? Gio's going to be the head coach. Uh, and we so we started working on it, and uh, and Jeff, you wrote you wrote this principally wrote this piece um, to basically soften it a bit and say here are the stories that we think were, and when we the lead for it was there's some stories coming down the pipeline. So I get a message from Dave Martinez saying, you're going to love what, what we're about to drop, head coach <laughs> news. And I was like, what? We're, like, we're literally right now ready to publish. And he just said, Heath? And I, I like stopped and I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. This is going to be really funny because... We have two completely. So we both, you know, we both hit publish, and we and, counted on the phone one, you know, two, yeah. three, publish. And I, you know, when you sent me that and said that, oh, Empire Soccer is about to publish. You've got to finish this now. I was really hoping you were going to say Empire of Soccer is about to link Avram Grant for real. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. that's my yeah. pipe dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Rednapper. <laughs> and, and so I, I honestly, I didn't really talk to Dave uh, in depth about this story about what he had, but. He has multiple sources that he feels very confident in. And I think he probably feels very confident in that he would probably get some geo news before us. However, that's true. That The way that news comes to people is is, is a bizarre thing. But it's, it's crazy. I still... I don't know what to make of it, to be honest. Because then I followed up and started to hear, yeah, there probably is something to that Heath thing. I still think there's something to the Geo thing. Yeah. So maybe both. Home games. Whoa. Home <laughs> games you have Geo because he's used to Minnesota having coach there. Road games you have Adrian because he so we're, it's just going to be like a split parent society and something going to be like all right kids you're going off wow. with Adrian and you're going Adrian's the cool dad who takes you to Portland and Los Angeles and takes you yeah. won't take you to Miami because Miami doesn't exist but you get to go to Orlando, you know, and he's the cool one but then you come back to Minnesota. Well, yeah. as that's long where as Geo will be sign uh, Sanisha Ubi Parapovic, we're we're good. Yeah, exactly. Right. <clears throat> I mean, there are two two lessons I learned from this. One is, or two two things that I think could be going on. 
One is that they are not that far, and that both of these guys, it's basically between these two guys. I think so at this point. The other option is that uh, at one that we know for sure that both of them, and I think a couple others, were late. Can you know the on the short list? And it may be that Giovanni Gio was a top candidate, and for some reason they didn't go with him. Same thing with Heath; they didn't go with him, and that the news that hit us or or hit Empire Soccer was just a little bit late, you know, or by the time it hit them, it, it was a bit outdated. I think it's probably the first option. I think that um, we know that the the announcement is not coming soon. No, no, it's it's definitely not coming soon. I think that we might hear some stuff this week, some stuff, which is the most hard hitting journalism that you could all hope for from the fifty five one podcast. But I don't think you're going to see a head coaching announcement. First off, if it was going to be Savarisi, then his season ended with his former club. From when we're recording this, 24 hours ago. Yeah. That's not enough time. <laughs> it was funny. Someone posted the exact flight coming from New York to Minneapolis, <laughs> and I thought about driving to the airport to see if he would uh, be on that flight, but then I decided that I had I stuff to do. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm not to that point yet. It wasn't quite Dempsey mania, is what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. or Drogba mania. Um, so I think that, it, just like that Christian Ramirez rumor that went around last week that he was training with Harrisburg City... Um, <laughs> There you go. Someone understood it. Um, I don't think it'd be soon enough for them to announce Geo this week. Certainly, because what I mean, we we checked on that. Didn't yeah, we? yeah. No, we know we know that it's not happening. It's not far enough along. Um, I, I do know that on on Wednesday I'm going in uh, to meet someone, so I assume something is being announced then. Um, and Head that cook. probably that probably goes into the rest of the article. Uh, why don't you talk about? The, the rest of the article sure. that, that you So wrote. there's a lot of other stuff not involving a head cook that hasn't been announced yet either, actually. We're still waiting on the head cook for Minnesota United's players. But there are a few different positions um, that we can expect to be filled soon, and a couple of names that we linked to it. We did find out that Minnesota United is close to signing a goalkeeper coach, um, Marius Ravdi, who is with the Vancouver Whitecaps for the entirety of their MLS run so far over the last six years now. Yeah, 2011 was their entry point. He is most notable because he helped Joe Cannon at the time, 37 year old Joe Cannon set an MLS record for the longest period of MLS league play without allowing a goal, which is pretty incredible considering Joe and like no slight to Joe Cannon, but he's not Tim Howard, you know? So it was a pretty impressive record for him to help set. He He has an amazing name though. Joe Cannon. Joe Cannon is a perfect name for like, a striker who only shoots from 35 yards out. Or like a think... like a 40s, 50s era like comic book hero. Yeah. Joe well, Cannon, goalkeeper for the Metro Stars. Met- it had to be the Metro Stars, too. Yeah, Of yeah. course. And then it was Red Bulls and it was corporatized and commercial break, and it sucks. Um, he also helped with David Ostad's development into a perennial candidate for um, MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. And then recently with, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of his name. What's the name of the 21-year-old? Paolo Tarangi? Tarnagi. He's Thank not you. 21. He's not. He's, no, 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 no. no. He's 75. There's a different guy. Tarnagi was at Chicago Fire. You're thinking of uh, you're thinking, there's, there's another Carducci. Guy. His name is Carducci. Carducci. Thank you. Mario Carducci. Uh, he is kind of the future of Canadian goalkeeping right now. Um, which is the sexiest title in world soccer? Yeah. <laughs> only digital, only di- yeah. He's not. He's definitely. He's lit. He walks the in the, the walks in bars and says, "Hello, ladies. I'm the future of Canadian goalkeeping right yeah. now." <laughs> Nothing a- gets you laid more. Than <laughs> gets you laid more than that. Oh Bra- it goes Brazilian attacking midfielders, yeah. and then Canadian goalkeepers yeah. are the two sexy positions in world soccer. Anyway. Um, so those are all things that you can definitely credit to Marius Ravdi. Um, Alex, you listened to a podcast that he did when he was announced to be leaving Vancouver. What did you get from that podcast? Oh, he's a great. I think we're gonna like him. He's he sounds he's a real character. He, I can confirm that the dude loves emojis. Ooh, he, yeah, he loves That's emojis. That's a hot take. He's he has a great story. I I encourage everyone to li- listen to this podcast. The podcast is called From the Back Line. Um, I, I made sure to link to it today he was too, on and they and they interviewed him. And uh, he had, at the end of the podcast, he tells an amazing story about um, having to subdue a very 
uh, drunk and uh, maybe drug-addled man on a plane. Was it Carl? Was it Carl? <laughs> it was not, that does not appear to have been Carl. Um, but it's a very good story. It's it's uh, I encourage everyone to listen to this podcast. It's a great interview, and I think you'll like you'll like uh, okay. like Marius. And but, the other the other I mean the bigger news a goalkeeping coach. Sure, it's great. I'm I'm very glad that he seems to be like a, a very interesting guy. Um, the other thing is that last week, late last week, uh, Jeff Carlisle from ESPN, and I think Grant Wall also wrote about this, but basically um, started talking about, looks like Amos McGee, former Minnesota Thunder guy, uh, now at DC United, was at uh, Portland Timbers. He, uh, Jeff Carlisle talked about how he, was, he looked odds on to be the director of personnel. Right. It looks like uh, Manny is going to hire someone to be additionally there to help build the roster. I talked about last week, this last week, because I, I was saying it's crazy that they didn't hire someone to do this before. But um, we know that Tom Sohn and Amos McGee were both in the state recently. And we don't know what Tom Sohn, he's been linked to the head coaching job. Uh, Tom is assistant coach in New England, also a Minnesota guy. Also friends with Manny. Uh, I, I, we don't know if the two of them were being interviewed for the same position. We don't know anything about that. But we do know that the Amos McGee thing was a little bit troubled. It wasn't as surefire as Jeff was making it sound on, in his ESPN article. So I, I don't know. But I, I think my guess is that I'm not being called in to interview a new goalkeeping coach and that Wednesday they'll probably announce something like that because I know it's not a head coach. And that's director of player personnel? Yeah. Something like that? And, okay. Yeah. Well, and you have to say that um, because Tom Sohn was, was previously the uh, the head coach and also the, I guess, technical director of Vancouver, and he was the guy who brought Mario sort of to the, the club. Mm-hmm. So I think that... Uh, if if the news about Rovda is correct, then that really makes it likely that Tom Sohn is also involved. Sure, we do know that uh, the the team knows Manny knows Marius through other they they know each other even just from Portland in the preseason. But I, I agree with you that it makes Tom Sohn look a little bit more likely than Amos McGee. Um, Could you see a scenario where both are involved? It's, I, I mean, I'm, that's tough because they both have, like, they do have notable experience in MLS where it isn't like you focus only on this and you only focus on that. Like, I think they both would be not just capable, but, you know, there's an ego that comes with being kind of an executive of yeah. a professional soccer team. And I think you would want to cover that entire terrain. I think the problem is I don't have enough experience with what a front office looks like in other towns. You know, I know what Minnesota looks like. And I know what other Minnesota teams look like from a, or MLS teams look like from a distance, but so I don't actually know like what what is uh, a director of personnel's day to days. I don't know what what other types of roles do people need to fill. I have no idea. So I'm very. I mean, that's going to be one of the things I'm going to learn about in in the, the next few months <laughs> on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, on Wednesday. But um, so we'll we'll see. Um. I, I do want to talk about um, this question from Jake Watroba uh, on Twitter. Savarisi or Heath, who would you rather have as a manager and why? Can I respond to this with David Zeller's tweet asking the same thing, What with my answer fit into it? Okay. David Zeller at Texas Zeller. Adrian Heath? Adrian fucking Heath? That's about where I'm at. Alex, are you, are you, do you take the same line? Um, uh, to me, Savarese is simply more interesting because he's never coached in MLS before and he's had this incredible success with the Cosmos. So he's an outsider. <laughs> uh, I'm not going down this road. Um, we're going to, we're going to say like Tom Cruise outsiders. We're going to talk 1980s, uh, S.E. Hinton. I thought you were going election joke. Yeah, I tried. Uh, no, that that's the bait and joke. switch, my friends. That's um, an S.E. Hinton joke. I will say. I think Heath oh, sorry. is a, sorry, I think Heath is a, is a totally good candidate. I think that he... I think it's tough when we're running an expansion team. I think that he did fine with Orlando. He, you know, he didn't. It's not like uh, Jason Christ coming in completely, you know, changed everything around. They did about I, the same job. And I think I, that, I, 
Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, I just wanted I just wanted to find uh, Dave Martinez on on Reddit made a comment, um, and he said uh, Severese is the best young coaching prospect in the country. Him and Tab Ramos, hands down, in his opinion. Uh, he what? says I've personally seen how Severese operates, his psychology, his tactical knowledge, his respect for the player, his and his ability to pitch the team under any circumstance. Whoever nabs Gio will be better for it. I think he's right. I think Gio is a really exciting uh, sort of prospect i guess as a manager and i would what love number to, podcast to is seven now yeah that's we we made it six and a half podcasts without referencing reddit and i just i want to say that i feel good about that i'm Screw so you, sorry alex. guys so thanks I, alex but I, it's fine but we're also we're going to be seven full podcasts in without wes and i mentioning reddit and yeah. i think Oof. we're better for that too well, blame um, the guest. The word. Blame uh, that's a good <laughs> that is a good point though that's definitely a good point. Um, I did write last week, was it last week, uh, for 55-1, uh, the case for Gio Savarese, um, where I talked about his ability to develop youth, his ability to game plan based on the opponent, and his um, ability to tame stars, and, you know, kind of global stars, and be able to get them to work into a system and really play for a common goal. And last night, you saw Raul tweeting about his excitement about being in New York, and uh, Marcusena also talking about how happy he was that New York was able to bring the title back. And he's won three out of the last four, and the Cosmos have only been in the league for four years. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, I, I agree with you. I also think that Heath is, is a little bit maligned uh, improperly. Um, I do know that Ian Fuller, who's a current assistant coach, uh, loves Heath. He was at Orlando City. Um, he thinks Heath is the greatest in the world. Um and so, you know, I, I imagine, we don't know if Ian's staying around next year, but I imagine if Heath is here, he'll stay around. And Ian had to leave Orlando basically because uh, uh, Orlando City went through a meltdown after their first year, and the owners uh, booted out uh, Heath's entire staff and brought in all these other guys. And so I think you're right, Alex. Heath did a very good job with that first year. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, I I am not excited about Heath, right? But compared to a few of the other options, if you say Dom Kinnear or Heath, I will say Heath every day of the week. <laughs> Completely. And he seems like a very uh, exciting, interesting guy. I think he and, uh, you know, I think Heath would keep Carl Craig around and because I, th I think that they would be... Drinking buddies. So. If nothing else, drinking buddies. That was the one thing that I picked up from Orlando journals, journos that I talked to about this, was that Adrian Heath was going to give you a good quote. I didn't press them and say, yeah, but what do you talk about? Turkeys going to Faribault to be slaughtered? <laughs> or, yeah, but what do you talk about? Harry Arst midfielders? I didn't press to that level. But, so, in fairness, an MLS coach, compared to, like, Bruce Arena, a good quote is saying... It was a tough opponent, and we lost, but I think I saw a lot of potential. That's a good quote compared to Bruce Arena. No, Bruce Arena um, at least will give you a funny quote because he's totally fucking with you. Right. <laughs> so there there are quotes that Bruce Arena does. But I, I want to I move on um, because I want to talk about... There's a, a series that we're starting this week that is going to look at the expansion draft uh, December 13th that's coming up. And basically what we've done is that four of us, four of the writers, uh, have taken all the the rosters and put together our own uh, version of who we think people might protect, who they'll leave unprotected, and we've broken them up by, by position. We're going to start on Wednesday with my goalkeeping piece, which I've not yet written. That's technically due tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, but... So Wednesday. Life happened. And um, and then, but Alex, uh, you are writing a piece that you actually wrote ahead of time that's coming out Thursday that's about defenders. And so maybe set this up a little bit, and, and I want to hear like a, a bit of a preview of what you have to say about, about the expansion draft. I, I will, first of all, I just think it's, I'm excited about this series because I think that we, uh, I, I like the premise. I, I think that there's something to sort of the wisdom of the crowds, you know, for people who've all watch different things and think a little different things about who are the teams. who are the four i guess we didn't really clarify oh that, uh who? the three of us and your brother yeah, i have a brother we, yeah we've got a, a <laughs> the, the a, another rooter uh on this so Shit. so jake rooter will be writing i think does he have forwards or do you have forwards uh i have forwards i'm the closer he's the uh long reliever yeah the <laughs> midfielder okay yeah <laughs> 
Well, I, so um, so the result is that we'll have a big, big list, basically a big pot of players who nobody in our group protected um, for the expansion draft, and then and then we'll have a a list of players who um, someone protected, but but other people didn't. Who so basically players who who are probably going to be available, and, and and then players who might be available, and and I have to say that I think that. Um, I, I remember the last expansion draft, 2014. I thought that the pickings were kind of slim, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that the picks that were made kind of reflected that. To be honest, um, this year I think that there are going to be some good players available. I really do, and then def- defenders is is absolutely the case. Quick question uh, for you to lead into the defender bit. Yeah, is that because Minnesota and Atlanta will only have five picks to choose from, and so you're only trying to find five players you want to target, which inherently means that you're going to be more impressed with your top five than your top 10? Or is it because there are just there's better development of players and there are just better players in the league than there were two years ago at this point? I kind of think it's that. I think it's probably also that I maybe had the wrong opinion about that last expansion draft. But I think that the league has definitely gotten better in two years. Um, and it's... There- you can go through the last expansion draft and see a few players who, at the time... Probably made sense. George John. George John. Well, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Donovan Ricketts, I don't think was a, that bad of a pick. He turned out to be a terrible pick. I think pick, that was right? a bad pick. No, really? you're right. Oh, but yeah. he, At the time, me, I was like, sure, okay. For me, he was he had done well as an imposing goalkeeper um, in previous years. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, but Orlando's goalkeepers in that first year were Tally Hall, who was coming off a major injury, and Donovan Ricketts, whose knees were held together by masking tape. So... Not even duct tape. Yeah, <laughs> but if it's masking, they should have scouted that and known it was masking. Tape. Right, and if it's Minnesota, <laughs> think, it'll be Scotch it tape, so it's it even worse. Tough. I don't think they made very good, uh, very good decisions in that respect. I so think they made a great def- decision getting Joe Bendick. So, in with keeping in mind defenders specifically, which is your area of focus for this series here, what are we calling it? Uh, the expansion draft cometh. Yeah, sure. It's not a good title, but yeah. it could be worse. Yeah. Um, well, now that you said <laughs> it on the podcast, we're committed to that title. So we're not yet. We have, tell you what, we have 24 hours here. Tweet at Wes, Alex, and I if you have a better Don't. title for this, and we won't use it. <laughs> Don't. But we'll get to read it and chuckle. So with the Expansion Draft comment series, with Defenders specifically, why are Defenders an important position to look at with an Expansion Draft? Oh, man. Is it too late to get uh, Bruce on this show? It's always uh, too late to get I, Bruce I, on I the show. That, I think that... I think that... I think that Defenders are the hardest thing for Expansion Drafts. Uh, sorry, Expansion Teams. Um, I'm not sure why it is, but it just seems that every year uh, the expansion teams come into the league and they just have a totally clueless back line. Um, well, I, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you this much. So um, the, the hardest thing – expansion drafts are going to give you depth, right? Most of the players that you're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about – are not players that you were like, oh my God, this guy's going to start. We're excited about this. They're not bad players, but they're players you are looking for for squad. They might start, but they might also just play a few matches. They won't be your marquee names by any means. And defenders, particularly, well, all defenders, are hard to find. Good defenders, top-level defenders. Most of the defenders in our league, in MLS, are fine. They're just fine, you know? Um and I, I think that the problem is you're now getting uh, the second tier of just fine with expansion teams. And most expansion teams, well, it's no matter what, you're, you're struggling. You know, this year we took Damian Lowe on as a, as, a, as a loan to say like, oh, is this a guy that we know that we probably will, we could get him through this deal. Let's see how he is. And I don't think he's going to come with the team. I think that's why Brent Coleman actually will come because Brent Coleman, he hasn't shown it yet, but probably is just on that same level of second tier of just fine, you know, and he's a local guy and he's cheap probably, and he's still pretty young and he's, you know, um, and you got to compare him to a player like Damian Lowe, which would be your alternative. You would find an expansion and and you know what you get with Brent Mm -hmm. and he's a, he's a very nice guy, very sane guy right know. most importantly he's a very sane <laughs> yeah, guy yeah um i think the other thing is with expansion teams is you panic a little bit hashtag caps panic 
and you look and you see that what sells tickets are goals. And so you're looking for attackers and you're looking for midfielders and you can completely neglect the defense if you're the New York or New York City FC or if you're Orlando and you're trying to fill those front four spots and you just say, yeah, we'll start Jason Hernandez as our best defender. Jason Hernandez, he's a good defender. If Minnesota United ends up getting him in the expansion draft, I'll be happy. I honestly will. But if he's your best defensive player, you're going to let in two or three goals every single game yeah. that you play. Well, and I think- let, uh, yeah, Alex, I, I do want to actually have you talk about who, who uh, a few of your picks, but you well, can go. Well, let me... I, I think that what you said about, you know, attacking play and, and selling tickets, I think that's right. And I think that, I mean, if we look at what Orlando and New York City did, they clearly prioritized that end of the field. Um, but I think that because of that in MLS, the the best players almost throughout the league are attacking players. And I think that the difference in quality between what you can expect to get in the expansion draft in defense and uh, what's protected in defense is much smaller than what's protected in the attack. You know, the protected forwards versus the forwards who will be available right. in the expansion draft. I think there's a huge gap there. But I think with defenders, I think that there are good defenders who are going to slip through the cracks. Give um, me four names of these good defenders. Sorry? Give me three or four names of good defenders that you think might slip through the cracks. Well, I think one of the guys I'm highest on is is uh, Nick Hagland. Um, he's really Toronto's third best defender behind Stephen Betashore and, and Drew Moore. Um, but I, I saw some stats the other day. He's one of the most... He, he of, of all defenders in the league, he's in the top five, I think, in uh, aerial duels one. Um, he's a really good defender in the air. He's young. He's 24. He has a decent amount of, of MLS experience with now two two straight years starting. Um, I've been impressed with his play this year. I think he's improved dramatically over last year. I think that the system he's in definitely helps, but I think that he uh, has has in particular improved. And I think that Players like him, uh, maybe he won't be available, but his partner Eric Savaletta will be. Um, I think that there are good young players out there. I think Ray Gaddis, who, who you really mentioned, you brought up uh, in in our sort of internal discussion. But he, he's I want to take a little who, credit here. He means me. He doesn't mean Wes. Yeah, no. And Sorry. he doesn't mean you, the listener. He doesn't. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to you know. I'm not used to this kind of. We should, attention. We should do a door, quick aside. We should do a Dora the Explorer style podcast where we we always refer to you as the the listener and i would say like you were right long long pauses where people get to respond i don't know what do you think about that listener well so ray gaddis i mean he was a guy who was uh really the face of the franchise for philadelphia they signed him to a big contract and then they drafted a replacement for him and that replacement keegan rosenberry turned out to be really really good um, Played every minute of the season, yeah. Right, yeah. so so Gaddis was sort of shut out. And it's not because Gaddis is, I think, a bad player. It's just that the situation at the club really suddenly turned against him in, in some weird way. And Alex, so I think if that, I told you that Minnesota's fullbacks could be Justin Davis on the left and Ray Gaddis on the right, would you be satisfied and say that that would be at least a mid-tier fullback pairing for MLS? Um, well, it's hard to say about Davis, but I think that Gaddis is certainly qualifies, yes. Okay. Sure. Who else yeah. you got? Um, I think that another interesting thing is is to see what's going to come out of Sporting and Columbus. These are teams which have stockpiled pretty interesting defenders. Um, in Columbus, you've got uh, defenders like Waylon Francis, uh, Nikolai Nass, uh, Gaston Sorrow. Um, I think that one of those three could, could become available. Um, and I think that... Uh, they could be good pickups, although Sorrow is, is way too expensive, so I don't know if it's possible to negotiate his contract down. Um, and then the same thing is true in Kansas City, where you know the Kansas City Star the other day was reporting on how few players they have signed for next year. And I think that, I mean, Matt Beasler is not going to become available, but maybe Ike Opara or Kevin Ellis or Nuno Coelho will be. And either one of those players, I think, would be a very good pickup for Minnesota. So, um, anyway, people can, you have a, a, a full list of, of uh, players that you're featuring on this. And so uh, people can look at uh, 
dot one uh, for more of that. I want to go on just to hit the Twitter questions uh, before we go out. So uh, let's start with Adam Jarvie at MN Northstar eighty two. Why can I still shop at Rainbow and Big Top? <clears throat> this is because uh, Adam lives three blocks from the new stadium site. Uh, I, I tweeted about this the other day, but I drove by, and there was a big puddle of water and a bald eagle just sitting in the puddle of water in the middle of that site. And it was Alexi um, Lawless. Yeah, yeah. The the Big Top and uh, and Rainbow, for those who don't know, Rainbow is the, the grocery store, and Big Top is the uh, the beloved liquor liquor store on that property that will both be demolished to build the stadium. Nothing has happened on the site. Uh, Bill McGuire said he was hoping to have uh, something happen this year. It's not happening. I have no clue what's going on. I... I guess if I were better at being a journalist, I would keep on digging at that. But why? I just like I'm so you know like annoyed. why why should we? You know we've got just sexy names something. like Amos McGee and Tom Sen yeah, who are I, I in know. town just for chats. Let's just report on that instead of stadium stuff, which everyone cares about in the world. The lack I of, think. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say the lack of news about basically anything. That's been really frustrating. <laughs> the stadium one is the one that kind of worries me to an extent, but I also think, having spoken with people who work in multiple sides of the stadium project, whether it's the construction group, the transportation group around it, the uh, the actual stadium itself, the club, what have you, having spoken with people from all areas of this, I think they're just waiting for January. I think because January is when the next uh, house session would be. And so that's when this could finally pass through because this was essentially held hostage in the last session. And so once that passes, of course, with January winter, you can't get shovels in the ground or anything like that, but you can actually start work in earnest on the project. And so if it's going to be an 18-month project, which is what Adam Jarvie, the the asker, conveniently predicted, and he's worked on uh, stadium projects as an architect before, so I trust his judgment there. If you're saying 18 months and you can really start on it, let's say late February, that puts you at late August um, 2018. Yeah, you're not going in until 2019, are you? I wouldn't. I mean, you could, in theory, for the last 10 home games that you have in the 2018 MLS season, play it at this gorgeous Allianz Arena, United States of America, and play it there, and enjoy Cloud City, and then open up 2019 and play the full season there. I would just do the, the 2019 season launch as well as the stadium launch at the same time. I don't know. Alex, do you have any hot opinions about this? Uh, I don't have any hot opinions about this. I just no want something what, to get built. If if you can open the place and not have to pay someone rent to move into their stadium, you're going to go into your stadium. So they'll launch it whenever they can. But um, Zakatekas at Zakasor asks, any indication if Carl will be transitioned in the club or if he is done? Uh, this is, you know, we've talked a little bit about this before. No one knows anything. And until they have a head coach, for for example, if it's Geo. He's going to bring in Aleko Eskadarian. He's going to bring in his own guys. Maybe he'll keep Carl. Uh, maybe he won't. Carl certainly doesn't know. Um, and then next is from uh, from Jake Reuter. Heard that name before. Honestly, though, what does Minnesota United gain from going totally silent for the two, first two to three weeks after NASL? Missed opportunity to build hype. Preaching to the choir, bro. Bro, literal bro. Literal, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> the closest parallel that came to my mind was actually the the whole Schweinsteiger watch going on in Chicago right now, which is funny because they're really not an expansion club. They started in the second year of MLS play, but for whatever reason, Chicago Fire just feels like an expansion team every single off season for the last four years now. Just because you don't like Harry Ship's going to be gone, and Sean Johnson might be drafted by no, Atlanta Harry this year. Gone already. Well, he's already gone, yeah. right? So like, whoever <laughs> you weren't paying attention because that's how bad Chicago <laughs> that's how bad Chicago is. is. And it's David Akam will be gone. <laughs> David Akam yeah. will be gone somewhere else, and it's like whoever Chicago's best three players are, you can guarantee at least two of them will leave before the next season. You'll say, well, we've got Sean Johnson, and then the coach will bench him for a third of the season. Um, but Schweinsteiger Gate has brought a lot more attention to Chicago that's been sorely lacking since Cuauhtémoc Blanco has retired, which is to say the entirety of the Chicago Fire's existence. Um, you see Atlanta has an assistant coaching staff. They signed Tata Martino. They, they look pretty much ready to just build a roster and they're done and everything else seems to be in place. And Minnesota 
in the in the uh, the piece I wrote today about Geo and these other signings that might happen, I briefly threw in a moment that I ended up deleting about the Itasca Society, which is their season ticket holder perk where you donate to the DNR. I deleted that. But one. you deleted that, <laughs> which I'm fine with, and I've made my piece about that over the last 12 hours. Um because that happened before the NASL season was yeah. done, and that was probably the last news that we got out of the club. Well, there are some things where you have to sympathize, right? You can't announce a head coach if you don't have a head coach. Should they have been further along in this process? Yes. But you also have, let's say it's been Geo. There's no way you could announce Geo before this week. And maybe there's more things. We, but you do know Kevin Venegas and Justin Davis are signed. And the team is waiting until they have a coach to announce this or whatever they're waiting for. Um, you could do that in the meanwhile. You do not need this head coach. You need to be drumming up something. You need to be in the news. Hell, you could just leak fucking Schweinsteiger. Invite Schweinsteiger to Minneapolis. To, to go to, to Spearmint go to, Rhino. To go, yeah, to go ride around in, in the Mall of America, give him lunch, just to have some rumors. Like, mm-hmm. the the problem, and, you know, I always talk about this, the problem of the narrative thing is that there's just nothing coming out, so people just panic, or people just don't care. Or don't right? care, right. LAFC but, today announced that Wayne Rooney, um, Cesc uh, Fabregas, Chicharito. and Chicharito were targets that they have for 2018. And that's yeah. a full year away from when they're actually going to try to negotiate those deals. And they're still trying to drum up this kind of groundswell. It, yeah. It, and and not, not that Minnesota should start just making shit up, but that there's no attempt to engage until they're absolutely ready and can control the message. And that I agree with you. In some ways, I sympathize, but I also agree with you, Jake. Uh, they're missing missing chances to stay in the news. Alex, give Two me words. one player that you want to falsely link to Minnesota United. Well, it's not a player. Sam Allardyce. <laughs> <laughs> we were the be- when we made that shit up. That was the best thing that happened to Minnesota. <laughs> All right, Max Matt Axelson. Uh, well, he wants to know, after I defend my dissertation, will my handle change to Dr. Nice FC? I'm defending my dissertation. Did I tell you this? I'm defending my dissertation. I think on, privately you might have. Yeah. On December 5th. So I just didn't. I just, what's the, uh, what's the that, time so. and place? It's in uh, University of Minnesota. It's uh, Is that at TCF Bank Stadium? We need, yeah, we need the, the listenership of this podcast, all six of them, to show up and support yeah, you. Yeah, we'll be there. I'll show up and heckle the hell out of me. <laughs> I am not going to change my handle because uh, I hate it when other people change their handle or their photos. It just it messes with me. So don't do that ever, anyone. Um, finally, Kate Sophia asks, could you role play... Could you do a role play of a typical player interview with Manny Ella last week? That, me- that means, actually, we should say this. Last week, the team, every year you do kind of exit interviews for the year, right? With, with, uh, with the head coach or the sporting director. I will also say the team this year was asked to stay an extra week. So all the players are still in town this week. And I assume that's because there's a new personnel person coming in who's going to talk with all of them and meet with all of them again but to kate's question do you do you want to role play this i don't have any funny alex jokes. alex do you want to be manny or the player oh i'll be manny oh thank god all right um <laughs> yeah you start this i, I will be random player i'm gonna say that i'm a box-to-box midfielder because that's my dream so here we go uh hey manny uh thanks for hanging on to me an extra couple weeks here uh, how, how do you think I did this season? Well, hi, Jeff. Uh, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> you know, you went out there and you battled. You went out there and you battled and you worked hard. And I think you got a result. Uh, well, the club didn't make the playoffs, but I still feel like I did pretty well here. Um, so I guess individually, what kind of notes can you give me that I really need to work on to make sure that I'm a good part of your MLS roster next year? You know, you need to just go out there and you need to battle. Sometimes you need to get punched in the gut. And sometimes at the end of the day, you come out there and you just get the result that you want. And scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to thank uh, thank you, Alex, for coming on the show. Alex, you're on Twitter. Where where can we find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex Sheaf. That's S-C-H-I-E-F. 
Great. Well, thank you um, all season for your NASL recaps. I know that lots of NASL fans are going to be bummed that you're not doing that anymore. But uh, I hope someone picks up the torch. Yeah. Are so you going to be doing MLS power rankings at least next year? Oh my God! I there's so many MLS power rankings. I don't unless I figure out some way to make it interesting and different. I probably not. You figure out your niche on that. But um, Jeff, uh, thank you for being here. You're on Twitter. Too. I am at Jeff Ruder. Yeah, and I'm Wes at MN Nice FC. No doctor yet. Uh, no but picture. Yeah, thank you, thank you all for for listening. Uh, subscribe in, in whatever format, and uh, we'll be back next week talking about whatever the hell happens uh, in between these times. So thanks a lot. Bye.